welcome to mini episode 43 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? We've got some more gorgeous listener stories for you today. Are you ready? Nope, I'm never ready for this nonsense. (laughs) Story number one comes from Rebecca. I've been blessed with the ability to see people's death stories. An image flashes before me and I just know. The first time this happened, I was photographing a waterfall for a side hobby. It was on private land, so it was pretty much untouched. It was about six feet high and breathtaking. I was at its base across the stream snapping pictures when I felt someone staring at me. I wasn't here with permission, so I got spooked. I looked at the base of the waterfall to the left-hand side, where a girl was returning my gaze. She was about six or seven years old. She looked at the top of the waterfall where I saw a projected image of her. This image fell from the top into the water. The girl on the rock at the base talked inside my head. That's how I died. I don't remember how I got out of that creek bed because I clawed my way out so darn fast. I went to my car and hoped that it would be the end of it. But it wasn't. I had to go to city court for something completely unrelated to my trespassing. The courtroom was on the top floor. The elevator let out onto a long hallway with emergency stairs at the end of it. I stepped off that elevator and looked towards the stairs. There was a young man there, about 19. He was wearing a 70s mullet and a ratty old jacket. He was handcuffed with his hands behind his back. A police officer held his hands and guided him towards the stairs. He looked me in the eye while his voice resonated in my head. This cop's going to kill me. He's going to shoot me and make it look like an accident. Validate me. He turned away from me then, and I could see a large wound in the back of his head. I just said nope and pretended it never happened. The next time this happened was in a farmhouse. Many of the farmhouses around here have doors at the bottom of the steps. I assume it's for heating purposes at some point in history. Anyway, I opened the door of an old farmhouse one day and there was a girl in front of me. She was smiling at me and she was obviously a very happy girl. She was wearing an American pioneer type dress, flat against her legs. Imagine Laura Ingalls. Her voice inside my head said, I'm 17. And she turned up the stairs. The back of her head was gone. It was all bashed into itself. She bounced up the stairs and then fell. She hit her head hard. And I heard, and that's how I died. The last one is the absolute worst. I was staying in a beautiful farmhouse. We have a ton of those here that had an amazing history. It had ties to both Prohibition and the Underground Railroad. The family who built it got rich from their pancake batter recipe, so the house was built to accommodate the family and some servants. There was a main staircase in the front and a servant staircase in the back. I worked with the owner on various creative projects and so was often a guest. I most often used the servant staircase as it led directly into the kitchen from the guest bedrooms. The refrigerator was at the bottom of the stairway blocking the view into the next room, the wood stove room. The wood stove room was parallel to the stairs if you can imagine. You had to walk around the fridge to access its doorway. So I'm coming down this stairway and the owner has NPR on the kitchen radio. NPR has a habit of playing music or other noises that complement the story being told. This is why I thought nothing of hearing a baby laugh as I came down the stairs. 
I heard the announcer on the radio. And then I heard the baby laugh. I figured the story was about a baby or a family. As I descended the stairs, I realised that the baby wasn't on the radio. The baby was in the wood stove room. I ran around the corner expecting company other than myself. The baby laughter kept up as I rounded the fridge. It stopped only after I could see the wood stove room. The room was empty and the owner wasn't even in the house. Later that night I was sitting in the kitchen. The chair I was using faced the servant's stairs. The stair door was shut. Suddenly I had a vision of the ceiling in the kitchen disappearing. There was a gap and I could see the second floor clearly. The room above the kitchen was simply gone. There was no railing for safety. It was just open air. A baby crawled over the ledge and all I could do was watch him fall. I was positive it was the baby from the wood stove room. He was about six months old. His mother appeared a minute later screaming and hanging over the edge. I left the room. That's not something I can handle. I don't do baby deaths well and I'm not blessed to have seen that. A few months later, as I continued to return to the property for various projects, my daughter said to me, How can you go up there with that woman screaming for her baby constantly? I hadn't told her the story and she had only been there once. I just want to clarify that in this story, she every time she wrote blessed, she put it in inverted commas, like sarcastically blessed because I would agree I would not feel blessed if I had this gift to be perfectly honest I couldn't handle seeing ghosts in the first place let alone watching them die I feel like Rebecca probably needs to start up a ghost investigation agency these feel like unsolved deaths to me potentially they are unsolved deaths it's it's very sixth sixth that's really hard to say sixth sense sixth sense It's very sixth sense energy and there have been incidences where psychics, for example, have helped the police. I mean, I know of at least one case in Ireland where psychics have allegedly helped the police solve murders. Girl, get on this. I feel like it's the calling. I don't think it's a calling I'd want myself. I would be very thankful not to have it. Yeah, um, because it is terrifying. And also there's way too many child ghosts in this as well. I'm sorry. I'm also desperate to know... When was the first time you experienced this? Like, how do you come to... what? What is that moment when you suddenly realise, oh my God, I'm seeing people's death stories. That's what I'm seeing. And how... Do, I, I don't know how you'd navigate that in your real world. Like, I, it, it freaked me out. It's blown I mean, my mind. The first ghost was kind of helpful because when she fell off the waterfall, she said, and that's how I died. So that's kind of yeah, helpful. Yep. That's what you're seeing. But it must be really weird to just... Um, I don't even know. I can't... It gives me the hijabas just even talking about it. I don't... I can't comprehend seeing ghosts and then seeing them ghostly die. Particularly when it's children as well. That's horrible about the baby. Like, really not feeling that. But you would wonder as well if... Like the, the incident with the ghost in the courtroom. The teenage boy. You'd, you would wonder if maybe these... If these ghosts are thinking, I know you can see me. Please. Please validate my death. Please like understand that I didn't die in the way people think I did or whatever which is really also traumatizing that's the unsolved mysteries aspect of it though I guess isn't it you are being called to start up an agency and our second story today comes from Chris as I've been binging your show I came upon your listener episode 
and thought that I might share a few stories. I should qualify this by saying that they aren't my stories, but I have permission to tell you, and you have permission to use them if you so desire. I'm an ordained Presbyterian pastor in the States, but back when I was still in school, I sat in on what was my favourite class, Dr. Dale Allison's Spiritual Experiences. Dr. Allison was rather mocked on campus because during a theology lecture, he went into how he believes that he and his son were abducted by aliens and had the same inexplicable incision scars on their sides. But he was an entertaining lecturer with amazing commentary on the world. The man was the kind of professor that you swore a true child of the 60s, even though he claimed to have never touched drugs or alcohol. So of course I was eager to take his course on unexplained spiritual experiences. Anything from angel sightings to ghosts to bright orbs to heavenly visions to what the purpose of prayer was. It was by far my favourite class I took in preparation for being in ministry. And Dr. Allison was as willing to ask difficult questions as he was to believe. In some things. But that is just the backdrop for why I heard the stories I'm about to tell you. When I was still in this class, my mother-in-law and my husband's kid sister came to visit. We were out to dinner and my husband told her about the class I was in. A quick character description of my mother-in-law, she grew up in Kentucky, was a beauty pageant winner and slowly worked her way out of poverty. She was a school teacher but now is a union leader and has nearly been arrested at marches and protests. She is genuinely one of the most loving, gentle people I know but she also has 100% mama bear don't fuck up my kids energy. We were out to dinner talking about this class and she became very serious and asked if I wanted to hear about her story. Of course, I said yes. The first story was when she still lived in Kentucky. She woke up from a dream where all she could see was the moon in the sky, but only through a frame of broken glass. She remembered it clearly, but didn't think much of it. But a month or so later, she came on some switchback roads at night and took the wrong turn and ended up flipping her trailblazer. It went end over end a few times and finally stopped. She was okay, but when she looked over her shoulder, all she could see was the moon, shining through the shattered back window of her SUV. The next story was even creepier. When she began to tell this one, my husband's little sister got so creeped out that she got up from the table and walked around the restaurant with her ears plugged. This one was much later, when my husband was a teenager. She'd been talking to a friend who was about to buy a house of her own for the first time and was really excited. That night, my mother-in-law had a dream where she saw her friend and her new house. But the house looked like Swiss cheese with huge holes cut into it. My mother-in-law said that as she walked up to it in the dream, she thought to herself that she could stick her hand in one hole from the outside and her hand would be in the living room. She woke up in an absolute panic, convinced that she needed to call her friend and tell her not to buy the house. But my father-in-law calmed her down and told her not to. He didn't want his wife to sound crazy to a friend of theirs. About three months later, my mother-in-law asked her friend about the house. Her friend let out an exasperated sigh. Her new house had a series of bad pipes that had caused immense water damage to the house. She explained that one pipe leaked down the outer wall of the house and down there was a huge hole and people from the road could see straight into her living room. But this seems to be a family gift. There were a few more stories that she told that I don't remember, 
But what gave me the heebie-jeebies for the last time was when my mother-in-law was a girl and having these experiences. She told her grandmother, and her grandmother 100% acknowledged that she had them too, but said that you don't talk about them to other people. It is assumed that her mother, my husband's grandmother, however, does not experience these events. After dinner, my husband and I went home, and I was bursting at the seams to talk to him about this. My husband grew up religious but gave up his faith in high school. He now is thoroughly of the opinion that if he can't prove something exists or doesn't exist, he doesn't believe it. Except for two experiences he had as a kid. One, when he was a boy. He had a moment of sleep paralysis where he saw a ghostly apparition of his mother floating overhead while she slept in the other room. Another time he woke up and saw a dark figure standing across the street staring into his room. In his little boy mind, he told himself that it was just Jesus watching over him while he slept. He now chalks it up to dreaming and nothing more. I'll be honest with you. I think his family has a gift, but I think my husband closed himself off to it when he became scientifically minded. But after that moment, we've never talked about it again. My husband, his family and I all gathered for a Valentine's dinner this evening. We were catching them up on our lives and all that jazz. My mother-in-law, and yes, the same mama bear of the stories before, confessed how she woke up at 3am worried sick about my husband and I, so she sat up and just started praying for us. Was it a mother's nerves? Normal anxiety? When we did the math and realised that no, her strange sense about things was spot on. At 3.30 that same night that she woke up, my husband and I woke up with splitting headaches. He just went back to the couch to be more comfortable. I was trying to find a position in my bed that made my neck not hurt. After 15 minutes of rolling around, I flopped onto my side. And then I smelt it. The smell of exhaust, like from a car in our apartment. And I knew that something was very wrong. After evacuating the cats to the car, the gas company showed up and informed us that our neighbour's furnace had broken and was filling our apartment with carbon monoxide. By the time they got there, There was 500 ppm carbon monoxide, enough to kill you in a few hours. Hours that easily could have passed as we slept. Like the other stories, I have no idea what to make of this. What I know is that she seems to know things she shouldn't, and that her connection to her son is deeper than I sometimes understand. She's our mama bear, and I love the kick-ass woman that she is. I mean, that is terrifying without the premonition dream in that your house could just be filling with carbon monoxide and you wouldn't even know about it. That's, we hear it all the time, don't you? But that's very close call. Very close call. I think that humans have connections that we will, that, that I, I really think that science cannot explain some facets of human connection and that is one of them. Like that woman woke up at the same time as her son and her son's wife knowing that they were in danger. It's really creepy. They're definitely definite premonitions, though. We've spoken about this before. That I think that's a thing. Like I'm a hundred percent on board with these premonitory dreams. I'm sure that's not how you say it, but with premon- premonitionary pressure, what is it? I believe premon. No, premonitions exist. I nearly said premonitoriums. Then that's... Premi- like a crematorium, but with with premonitions. Premonitions, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell you my favorite thing about this story is that this lecturer sounds incredible. Mm. I want to go to his lectures. Absolutely. I want to go and experience the madness of it. 
because don't you have that idea in your head that a lot of university lecturers are like you know crazy cool like really accomplished people who have these wild ideas and then you go to university and you're like oh it's actually not really like that at all and some of them are quite boring yeah and I like the idea of of going to a lecture that's really interesting because a lot of the lectures I went to were either not interesting or not delivered very well so you know interesting and well delivered I'm there for it sign me up Dr Allison sign me up and even if it's something wild like you know paranormal experiences like that is a fun thing to learn about one of my favorite when I did my um undergrad I did an undergrad in theology for those who don't know and it was like the vast majority of it was incredibly boring as you can imagine but I had one lecturer who did who did a a module on new religious movements which is the technical term for cults I loved it it was so interesting and she was really into it she was really fascinated by general theology and understanding how cults work and obviously I was like sign me up nice loved it sounds interesting And our last story today comes from Claire. My family moved a dozen times in almost as many years, involving two continents and half a dozen states. I don't know what it was that made my parents decide to settle down, but when I was 12, they bought a ranch-style house in a small town in the southern United States and stayed there. There were three bedrooms, two at the far end of the hallway with their doors facing each other and one at the beginning of the hallway with a door that actually opened up into the dining room. I ended up in the room at the start of the hall, which had garish wallpaper that I loved and meandering patterns in gold glitter on the ceiling. On one side, my room was bordered by my sister's room and on the other side was the formal living room. The formal living room housed a pristine white sofa set a thick oriental rug and a piano that I never quite mastered. Smoky, antiqued glass covered the top half of the living room wall that shared my room, a feature installed by the previous owner, whose taste in decor tended towards the 1970s swingers clubs. The room was unusual for the area in that it did not have overhead lights and illumination came from lamps scattered around the room, plugged into outlets that were controlled by a single switch by the front door. Before going to bed each night, someone had to check the deadbolt on the front door, flip the switch, and then race past the mirrored wall to the safety of the dining room, before the glow of the incandescent light bulbs died. There was an open doorway between the living room and the dining room, but the lights from the dining room never seemed to penetrate very far into that front room. When walking through the house, the quickest path from the family room would have carried you through the kitchen, straight through the dining room, past the opening to the living room and into the hallway. No one, not even my very rational mother, ever walked that path. Everyone made a wide detour around the doorway to the living room, a subconscious Brownian movement that put you just out of arm's reach of the gap in the wall. I'll pause here to say that as a kid, I definitely sensed a lot of supernatural things, and have had a couple of experiences as an adult that solidify my belief in the afterlife. However, out of all the places we lived before, and out of all the places that I've lived since, there's only one house that I felt was haunted. I don't know what was in that living room, but I can say with certainty that it was never a person, and it was never alive. We didn't have cable TV, and didn't get home internet until the mid-90s, so to keep myself entertained, I read... It wasn't unusual for me to stay up reading late into the night after everyone else was asleep. A few months after we first moved in, 
on one of those nights when I was up past everyone else. I heard my mother calling me softly from the living room. Except my mother's room was in the opposite direction. And I knew I'd heard her walk down the hall to her room hours before, and I hadn't heard her walk back. While mostly raised in the United States, I come from one of those cultures that is both deeply religious and incredibly superstitious. I knew not to answer a voice calling for me from the darkness, but I was still terrified by my mother's voice calling from the living room again, saying just my name. It called my name three times that night, drawing it out into a sing-song the last time. It happened regularly. The voice would call me at all different times and even if other people were up and still moving around the house. It mostly happened at night though, and I got used to the sound of my mother calling me from the living room waking me up at night. A few times the lights in the living room turned on so I could see them shining through the crack under my door. Sometimes I would be in the family room, on the far side of the living room, and through the shared wall I would hear the sounds of someone coming home, like the sound of the front door footsteps and the coat closet opening and shutting. My mum would call me and I would hurry through the kitchen to see if she needed help bringing in groceries or something else, only to stop short when I realised that no one was in the living room. I hated it. I hated the voice so much. But my parents had their own problems during that time and it never occurred to me to seek their help. I figured that as long as I never went into the living room when it called me, it was easy enough to keep myself safe. I took great pains to never be the one that had to check the door and turn off the lights at night, even if it meant going to bed at 7pm. I slept with the lights on and my favourite CDs playing on repeat. I had the opportunity to go to a residential school three years after we moved into that house and I took it immediately. My old bedroom was redecorated and turned into a guest room. I stayed in it on and off throughout the years, but after I graduated high school the voice never called to me again. I grew up, got married and started a family in the neighbouring town close enough that I'd never need to use the guest room again. So this is where the story should end. Except five years later my husband took a job a few hours away and my parents, who were thoroughly enjoying being grandparents, were not happy about seeing their two grandsons, aged three and five, so much less. We worked out a schedule and the kids spent every other weekend at Lola and Lolo's house. In my old bedroom. We were a decade out from the last time I heard the voice. I sent my kids to stay with my parents without fear or reservations and for months everything was fine. My son slept in bunk beds at our house and we would read stories and sing lullabies before bed every night. The song I sang most often was Rainbow Connection by the Muppets. The last verse goes, Have you been fast asleep and have you heard voices? I've heard them calling my name. And yes, in hindsight, I get how this song was a poor choice, but it is a beautiful song, and it's a slow song that's nice to fall asleep to. One night, I'm lying in the bottom bunk singing the last verse, and my eldest son suddenly says, Yes! But I'm on autopilot because we've done this routine around 2,000 times, so I asked, Yes, what? And he proceeds to tell me that he's answering the song that when he's at Lola's house, he hears my voice calling his name from the living room. My heart stopped. And I did what parents do. I lied. 
I told him that sometimes when we are away from people we love so, so much that we miss them. And our brains trick us into thinking that we hear them because they're not really there. But the important thing was to never leave the room at night because I definitely wasn't there. And it isn't safe to be wandering around people's houses because they might think you're a burglar. And that worked and kept him safe until we relocated even further away three years later and regular visits to my parents' house had to stop. They sold the house in 2015, but the real estate agent complained that they couldn't get a clear picture of the living room, even with different cameras and lighting configurations. All the pictures were terrible and grainy, most with a large blur over the side of the room that bordered my bedroom. I don't know much about the previous owners other than they had a very nasty divorce and moved out leaving the attic full of personalised bibles and books on magic tricks. I don't have any answers about what was in the house. I feel like whatever it is was there before we moved in and is probably still there now but is somehow tethered to that one area. I'm just grateful that the person that bought the house didn't have any young children and I just hope that if they hear their mother calling they have the sense not to answer. I hate this. It sounds like it's like a real life version of that urban legend about, you know, when he hears his mum calling downstairs and then his mum oh, calls that's that three, and not me. Yeah. One of those three sentence <laughs> horror stories oh, things. Oh, I don't like that at all. And it sounds like a real life version of that. And I am part equal parts terrified and intrigued as to what would happen had they followed the voice. Yeah, me too. And you know what's interesting about this story is that you could easily say Oh, you know, maybe this girl was having a stressful time and she was hearing things at night time. Why then? Why then is the child hearing his mother yeah, call his name? Right, not, not the grandmother, not the same voice that the mum heard, no. the voice of his own mother. Yeah, that's weird. It's really weird. I would also move away as far away as possible. I'd potentially, you know, send my parents on a nice day out and burn the house down while they were out. Or you'd say, I'm really sorry, but actually I hate you both and I've always hated you and everything, all of the nice things I ever said to you, it was, it was all a big lie and I'm a terrible person and I'm never going to see you again. And then that would be it sorted. I mean, you don't have to distance yourself from your parents. I think that's a bit extreme. Surely it's probably a very dramatic the reaction. The less yeah. extreme option is to get them out of the house and then burn the house down. Probably, uh, yeah, maybe. But then how do you explain, do you pretend it was an arson attack? Do you say, whoa, how did that happen? Where you, say, you stood with the lighter behind your back. You say, I was listening to this episode of uh, Real Life Ghost Stories and this woman said that there was a carbon monoxide poisoning from the house. Same thing must have happened with yours, except it was real gas and I didn't realise and boom. I'm very lucky to have survived. Now yeah. let's move on. Yeah. Not bad. Not so, bad. Sorted for you. So if you ever want to do that, Claire, I've given you an alibi, kind of. I mean, not really, but okay. So if you enjoyed this week's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can send in your own spooky stories to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 or for $2 a month, you get heaps of extra content. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.